And that's why I just see that the U.S. just has has more potential. You're just a bigger country with more assets. Like, let's just be honest. So I think all of these experiences have made me more aware of where I want to invest and who I want to invest with. All right. Welcome to Real Estate Hustlers Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Appleman, founder and CEO of Appleman Properties. Today, we are joined with Sarah. Sarah is a Toronto native. She dove in real estate at age three, grew up in real estate with her dad. Um, at age 16, she took over his portfolio and later became the top agent. She left has left a $400,000 income to focus on family and investing. Now in Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Sarah empowers women in real estate. Sarah, we're excited to have you here with us today. If you could let the listeners know a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always great to connect to other people in the industry. Um, but yeah, you gave me a good intro. I mean, it sounds crazy that I started when I was three, but it's like you were saying before we um, you know, started broadcasting that once you have it in your family, it just becomes natural. So I grew up cleaning units, um, going to Home Depot, like felt like every day, <laughs> um, dealing with the books, walking checks to the bank, understanding the financials. So it just kind of set me up for where I am. Um, and then I got into real estate sales because it seemed like the logical next step. Um, and I was, you know, really, really aggressive in that career path. So I was on the trajectory to essentially build a million dollar business. Um, and then from there, because I was investing as well, doing private lending, syndications, and a number of different strategies, as well as owning a single family and multifamily properties, uh, I kind of looked and I was like, hey, look, do I want to burn out in this career <laughs> as a realtor, which is a seven day a week job, um, or do I want to focus full time on investing? And it was around that time that I was also, you know, starting to family plan because I have two kids under three now. Uh, so now we live in Costa Rica and, you know, we are, my husband and I are both real estate investors and we focus on passive income from, from assets that's that's a really really cool story and uh just getting started that that young like like my kids they by default they have to hear about real estate because that's the conversation all the time and uh just growing up in that environment and and learning the little things just by passing conversation is huge um and it, and it it's uh propelled you forward with uh, real estate as well what are some things that um some some roots that you've learned just being in the industry the um the good stuff, the uh, the struggles, the real stuff in property management. What are some things, some takeaways? Yeah, I mean, property management is, <laughs> it can be fun at times. I mean, like I've had, you know, drunk tenants, like stumble in the street, pee on the stairwell. I've had, you know, people that um, due to the tight regulations in my Toronto market, you know, like paying tenants for them to like move out because they don't want to move out. So there's a variety of things that happen. Um, but I think a lot of the times, to be honest, like you always hear the horror stories. I also have some amazing tenants that stay with me for 10 plus years. They're extremely respectful. We have a community at the assets. So I think that you know every job has you know ups and downs but overall it's kind of having that big why and saying okay this is all worth it <laughs> but the day-to-day -day may look a little bit messy um sales as a realtor is just a total grind like you're chasing money all the time so i think that there's always pros and cons but the income you make as a realtor is fantastic and i always leverage those commissions and invested them back into real estate so there's that um from an investor perspective i'm sure you as well understand this some deals go south yeah. um you know i've had some deals where you know I'm, I'm still waiting for returns that were delayed um, and then I have some deals that went really really well so that's just the nature of real estate investing there's highs and lows yeah there's definitely um, changing tides right now with um, the real estate investing world which it's it's cyclical so it's just what part of the uh, of the timeline are we in currently and where's that gonna be at five years from now there was um, uh, we use invest next portal and there's been a new feature put on for cash calls so that 
that kind of Sign like, of the lets, times. <laughs> lets you know that now that new feature is out there being used and essentially a cash call is where a property needs to be uh, recapitalized. They need an injection of cash in order to, to keep things operational. So to see that new feature that wasn't there before, um, it, it kind of tells you where the uh, where the industry's at. And I've been uh, very fortunate in buying uh, buying right and um a great basis and being able to to be in a different position but there's a lot of groups that are that are um have floating debt and, and things have changed rapidly but, uh where are you all mainly invested at is it just all over yeah so a variety of different places i mean in terms of like the syndications you've got stuff in dallas um some stuff in orlando fort worth arkansas like random places and then me personally my personal portfolio i have assets in toronto canada um i had some syndication stuff in belize actually as well um so a variety of different places and each marketplace is different right like a city like toronto is an appreciation machine market like the appreciation is insane it has slowed down slightly just with the market changes um but the cash flow is garbage and the tenant regulations are are so so strict that it's very challenging to be profitable especially when things get tighter right like those profit margins get so tight when you can't remove a tenant and your interest rates are going up um so you know i'm in a variety of places and each place has its pros and cons i would say yeah i had a, a group on i think it was last week and uh they were also out of toronto um small world but they were talking about the housing industry and how tough it is to um to really make it make sense which is a shame because um I, I think it's the way the prices are so inflated it's hard to hard to really grasp ownership which that's becoming more of a norm as well mm -hmm. um and then we are of course sunbelt states where there was a large influx of population and um job growth I think things are, are slowing down in some of those areas as well but um what what uh, what size properties are you all are you all in yeah, so personal portfolio is small multifamily, so like five or six units, and I've also had condo units. Um, but then when I get into multifamily, you're talking about like 80 plus units. That's just the syndication model. Uh, so a variety of different things. And then if you're getting into private lending and stuff, that can be single family properties if you're just doing, um, you know, adding a second mortgage to the property and getting the cash flow from that. So I'm a big believer <laughs> of diversification within real estate. I think that there are so many opportunities within this sector for somebody to kind of build a little bit of security in their portfolio in some areas having more control like if you have your own property and then also if you're kind of relinquishing that control but getting the passive returns from a syndication um so i just yeah i'm, I'm a, I dabbled everywhere like i said because i started so young right i've had the opportunity to try different things well and that's that's definitely a a great tool in your belt is the the fact that you've started young and you have that experience um can you Tell us some of the uh, the ways that your experience has helped you vet out deals and, and uh, even general partnership teams in order to, to see that they are a good or maybe not so good of an investment. Definitely. I think as well, just, you know, seasons of life, like I'm a mom now and my aggressive nature of like the early twenties where I was like, let me just see how much money I can make like all the time that's shifted. Um, so I think I've gotten a little bit more cautious and wise with age. And in terms of who I'm working with, you know, that proof of concept, you know, in the past I've invested in some deals where there wasn't so much of a track record from the sponsorship team and that went, you know, this way or the other. And now I'm a very big proponent of if you're getting into a deal where you don't have control, control you're relinquishing that control you want to make sure that whoever you're investing with has maybe been through a few market cycles they have a great track record they've you know they've actually given investors there i should say this in a way that people who are listening if they're not actually in this model um they've gone full cycle means like investors have 
you know, invested, gotten their returns back and also gotten their initial capital back on multiple occasions. So I just think that the relationships I'm building now in the industry are coming from a very cautious perspective. Uh, and I also tell people that look like don't be putting, you know, a large portion of your net worth into a syndication deal. Like you want to look at maybe putting only like 10% or 15% in, maybe starting with a lower minimum, like 50, 60 K and then seeing how that process goes. And then the next deal you put in like hundred, 200 K. So I think that just through this timeline, especially in the market we're in, um, with people having been over leveraged, um, putting a lot of stuff at risk. Now I'm just very cautious um, moving forward. But I also think like, look, the deals that are going to come online in the next year, even though it's slow there, it's just going to naturally be so much more caution in the marketplace. Um, so I think that the deals that are coming online are, are good, you know, in terms of like the history, history of the last few years. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 basis will certainly be back down to earth um, versus paying uh, future future value on a property. Um, we were on a call, I think it was a week before last, but a group is um, has put a property under contract, and um, one of my first questions, well, they're raising I think one point seven million, but one of my questions was, have you walked the property? And uh, I was expecting a yes and this and that. And they said no. So they put a property under contract without even going out there and visiting the property and walking it to get eyes on. And those are the kind of mistakes that that really put investor capital at risk, as well as the general partnership. Uh, just being it, it boils down to experience, the, 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 the experience that the general partnership has. And if you're like you'd said, relinquishing control you can't even swing that thing back to in a good position because ultimately you're, you're, you'd be a limited partner in the deal, but experience conquers all because an experienced general partnership team would never put a property under contract without walking the deal first and um, betting the deals and making sure that the, the team is, um, is going to make sure the deal performs is huge, um, which your, your experience being in the industry, you would know that and you would uh, you'd be able to vet those deals before, letting someone else invest beside you, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see the wealth management? I know you're in, you, you can vet deals, you, you see good deals. Where do you see wealth management investing um, in, in say 10 or 20 years from now? Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm a woman. <laughs> so I think that that's a big component as well in the sense of the shift from baby boomers right now are you know moving a lot of their capital into their, their children. You know, they're passing away or there's a lot of like money flowing. There's like 30 trillion coming by 2030. And the reason I point out that I'm a woman is I'm like a lot of women are getting more involved in investing. I just think with the um, the way that information is more shared and just seeing more people that are doing it. Like I was very blessed once again that my dad just brought me into this world. So I do think that you're going to see a lot more women getting involved in investing in the stats show right now that it's a very small percentage. But I think that, you know, people are kind of waking up to like, I need to kind of take responsibility at some level. We've kind of figured out the career thing. You know, we're all working hard <laughs> and taking care of kids, which as well, men are doing it too. Like there's just a lot more collaboration in terms of family structures and stuff, or at least in my experience. Um, but I do think as this money changes hands, you're going to see more women getting involved in you know, understanding investing and what their options are and what the opportunities are. Um, I have one of my passive investors. She's actually like the breadwinner, right? Her, her, her husband's the one who is, you know, kind of has more of a part-time role. Um, and she's the one who's very, very into figuring out how to build their real estate portfolio, where they're going to invest next. Um, so I'm just seeing the dynamics change a bit. And it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge. Well, you see, just changing in the uh, in the industry and in the uh, the new norms, which is is very cool to to see that everyone can partake in different levels. Um, when you were when you were doing real estate as a uh, real estate agent, um, how did that how did that side influence your investor side? Yeah, so that was a great career for so many reasons. Um, I would say first and foremost, you're really boots on the ground. So you're talking to people every day. That's basically your job, you're in sales. Um, and I think as well, the structures of that uh, role are very imperative for actually getting into this kind of investing space. Uh, because essentially, you know, I am bringing people on, they're trusting me, I'm helping them uh, like get assets, but I also like to have conversations with them about like what their other options are. So I don't know a lot of realtors because they weren't investing because unfortunately a lot of realtors aren't actually investing in real estate which I think is very unfortunate because there is such a leg up just from an information perspective and access yeah. to deals um, but I would have a lot of conversations with my clients about like okay what if you could refinance why don't you leverage like all that type of stuff and then as well I was with Keller Williams which to me was an incredible brokerage because it was so education based and you really learned how to build an actual business like forget that it was real estate you're building a structure where there's sales model a marketing model lead generation all of that and i was able to take all those skill sets and, and bring them into investor relations when it comes to kind of the syndication space um so there was a lot of great things although my <laughs> career really burned me out but i brought a lot from it that i will carry through and anything i do essentially being uh, you've got your finger on the pulse as a real estate agent with uh, where the market's heading, the dynamics, uh, even path of progress or areas mm -hmm. that are gentrifying. Uh, I mean, like you'd said, there is truly a leg up on just information on uh, being able to to make some wise investment decisions. Um, just being being there, being in place. That's um, that's a cool experience that you have for sure. Um, what are some what are some struggles that you've had? What, what are some some learning lessons that you've had along the way? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is like with investing, there's ups and downs. I think that would be just like my, my blanket statement and always having a broad perspective. Um, but I would say once again, it comes back to sponsorship teams if you're investing passively. So I've had so many deals where it's gone well, you know, I get my returns back. And then I've had some deals where there's, like I mentioned before, there's delays. And then maybe based on who I invested with at that time. Um, so now I think I'm really learning as I grow and who I'm going to invest with and who I'm making sure I'm vetoing for deals. Um, in terms of actually my own assets, you know, I was very much a believer in investing in my backyard until I started to explore and actually move to the States and see more opportunities because in Toronto, a lot of people from Toronto, you think that your city is kind of the world of things. And I think that goes for any urban city. Um, so I was always looking for ways to invest in Toronto, but you know, my assets there, once I saw the cash flow um, and, you know, investing in a condo, for example, you can't control the maintenance fees. You can't upgrade them. You can't Airbnb them. There's just such restrictions on that asset. So once, uh, rent stagnate which is what happened to me during covid and interest rates go up you, you, the cash flow is wiped out um so i've just seen how getting out of your backyard in a sense creates a lot more opportunity um, and that's why i just see that the u.s just has has more potential you're just a bigger country with more assets like let's just be honest so i think all of these experiences have made me more aware of where i want to invest and who i want to invest with yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's huge. And of course, being in a right playing in a right uh, sandbox and in the right area makes the biggest difference. Uh, while one area could be going through depression as far as just local economies, there could be a whole another area that's thriving. Um, 
just totally depends on perspective too. The um, going through COVID, that's where you you left the four hundred thousand dollars a year income. I mean, that's a huge transition, but ultimately it it propelled you forward, right? Yeah, and like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That was the hardest, like maybe not the hardest decision, like in life. But it was really tough. Like I was career oriented. I was on a really, really good trajectory. Like I was like top agent under 30, three years in a row. Like I was just like crushing it. And this is all just because of hard work. Like there's nothing fancy about what I was yeah. doing. Um, but it really is that decision in life that I think a lot of us go to. If there's anybody on here that is a parent, which I know you are, Josh. You know, we have to make decisions based on what matters most. And for me, I just, I did not see the workability in that business model for having young children. Um, so I said like, look, I'm gonna focus this season of life on my kids. And it has been challenging to kind of shift out of that, but we all have to like, as life goes on, you have to see how can I, what is my new reality and how can I also still be productive and, you know, in, interested in what I'm doing, which is investing and helping people and guiding them and also be a great mom. So that was a big shift. And I think as well, that journey makes me realize, okay, but where is the top, right? Like I could keep making money, 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 but what difference is it actually making? Am I happier? Um, yeah, what's my stress level? What is my level of presence with my family or with others? So it's been an interesting journey and I'm still navigating it. Like I said, my kids are still um, two under three, but I do see that, you know, you have to kind of look at what really matters at the end of the day. Like, yeah. And yeah. the, the money matters when you want to have your expenses covered, which is what's great about real estate. But up to a certain point, you have the law of diminishing returns and it doesn't actually improve your lifestyle, you know, to be making a certain level of money. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you just keep, I know myself, I just keep pushing the goalpost a little bit further. So you, you've reached certain goals, uh, mile markers. And then now that it just keeps getting, you know, pushing it down and keep ma matching successes. But really, it's uh, I think it's taking the time to reflect back and making sure that the ones that are around you are are winning with you too. It's mm -hmm. easy to neglect the ones that are closest to you, and ultimately, they're the ones that are being affected the most. Um, just keeping the keep an eye on tunnel vision, which real estate will get you there. I, I like the my kids; they'll come up to the office and visit, and uh, just seeing them as much as possible. But it it can definitely work, and work can definitely take its toll. Yeah. Um, that's fun. <laughs> so, but, um, Costa Rica. So tell us a little bit about the transition moving there and, and how's the real estate there? Yeah. So this has been, um, we've lived abroad a few times. We lived in like Argentina, Belize, a few different places and Costa Rica, this town that we're in specifically is called Nosara and it's a lot of expats. And I think another thing, family, um, I just don't like what's going on with schools in a lot of cities. There's a lot of, in my opinion, they're politicizing a lot of stuff and I don't like what's going down the pipeline and what kids would be learning in some of the public institutions, personal opinion, not the truth. Um, but we just saw what was happening and we had friends that were in this this area living here already and it's because we have the opportunity to work remote uh, it just felt like a good place to be for this season of life and so far it is it's a much more um, natural environment obviously like there's the beach there's nature uh, we don't have any tech we don't have a tv none of that at home obviously i work online but my kids aren't using ipads or watching shows or anything like that so i think for this season of their life i, I really want to protect it as much as i can you know what i mean they can end up being a lawyer in new york if they want um, but this was just a decision for our family that felt like the right fit um, and I, I have to say we feel very blessed to have done it and it was because of real estate 
Yeah. Yeah. You're you know, ultimately we're programming our kids in any fashion possible. And when they're on their tablets watching YouTube, someone else is programming them. Um, I know we've had to take away the tablets just to, to take a little a breather. You just, you want to make, you want to protect them as much as possible and, and make sure that they're being brought up and the schools have a lot to do with that as well. And um, making sure that they're, they're being taught what uh, our values are and, um, and ethics. So I, I totally resonate with that hundred um, percent. So on working online or working remotely, really it, you can work anywhere. What are some, what are some expectations that you have on investments and general partnerships that you invest with alongside and uh, bring your investors with? Uh, yeah. And I think I also didn't answer your question about real estate here. <laughs> it's very expensive in this town. It's all expats. So like there's the Costa Rican real estate. I think it's the most expensive in, in all of Central America in this actual town. Um, but otherwise you can get obviously a lot cheaper <laughs> than major cities in the US. Um, but back to your question in terms of vetting um, sponsorship teams. Look, it, it really is, I touched on it before, but track record. Um, also just responsiveness and how they communicate. I think sometimes it's hard to see how people communicate until things go a little bit south. So you'd want to know, okay, like in deals in the past that you've done, if you've had any issues, like how did you handle it? Like how did that actually affect investors? And um, as well, you know, people are more than able to go and ask for references and talk to other investors that have been with sponsorship teams for a long time. Like the this is such a large financial decision for somebody to be, you know, handing their money over to other people. So you have a right to ask many questions uh, of the sponsorship team and ensure that there is also that alignment in values. Like if you're more somebody who's looking for like a lower, lower risk investment, you may not want to be going into something that is, you know, not so clear, but the returns are stratospheric. Like you may be better off getting, you know, 11 or 12%, you know what I mean? Like a more mid mid tier return, but you know that you're at craft equity or you're higher on the capital stock and you have that security. Um, so I think it really depends on the individual and on whenever I speak to people that are looking to invest, we have a very long conversation about what they're looking for to actually see if they're in alignment, like if my investment thesis is similar to theirs, um, because that's essentially who I'm bringing them on board with when we are, you know, bringing them into a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's playing matchmaker on different types of deals. If um, mm -hmm. you're in a deep value add, you're renovating all the units, you know that you're going to, you're pushing for vacancies so that you can renovate and, and, uh, and reposition a property. It's going to be a longer timeline, a longer horizon um, versus something that is, that is already, um, it might be lower returns, but it's already producing. It's an institutional grade asset. Everything's renovated. It's brand new. Returns are lower, but you're not going through the value add and renovation phase neither. So there's there's different um, different investments, different appetites for each, and and real estate can provide, or uh, it just depends on their appetite, their risk tolerance. So it's um, it's play. It's definitely and in this environment, I mean, there's there's a lot of moving things in different that debt that's taken out on different type of assets too. So it's um, just playing matchmaker. I totally get that. Mm -hmm. um, what would be some advice that you would give somebody who's looking to invest in real estate or possibly purchase real estate and not really sure which direction to go? I think the biggest thing that I always want to start somebody off with is like looking at 
their personal goals and what they're looking to do in terms of time commitment, um, how much control do they want. So I'm not one to say that there's only one way to be successful in real estate investing. Like I'm myself diversified, but I would say if somebody is trying to figure out which direction to go, first you want to look at like how much capital they have to allocate um, as well. Do they want to be active or passive? Do they want to be an expert or do they want to work with experts in the field? Uh, because everybody's time commitment is very different. If you're speaking to somebody who's in corporate who's you know climbing that corporate ladder honestly trying to manage a few airbnbs or trying to you know even manage a few single family homes even investing out of state may not be that workable um you may just not do that great of a job and if you can't afford property management because the cash flow isn't there then it's just going to not go so well so it's really focusing on what their expectations are what their long-term goals are and what the right structure is for their lifestyle that i think is critical for somebody to assess because there are so many ways that you can take real estate investing but that's it like what amount of capital what amount of time do you have are very uh, important pieces and then how much control do you want i would say as well yeah yeah that's that's huge because real estate on an ownership side is not passive at all you need to be active and making sure i call it trimming keeping the grass cut because once things get out of control whether it's deferred maintenance or um really anything of that could be an issue it'll just be a it'll, it'll keep compounding it'd be a bigger issue with real estate um so it's if they're an up-and-coming professional in their career definitely invest side aside of experienced teams like yourself that know what to look for um very cool. What um, what are some big successes and big wins that you've had uh, through your experience? I would say, I mean, my, my real estate career, I think, was to me a, a big accomplishment. Like I really pushed for that and I kind of made myself proud in a sense to be able to like make that amount of money and like really excel in that career. So I think that was good. Um, but as well, from an investing perspective, I think just the simple diligence of taking a portion of all those commissions and putting it into real estate investing. Um, I think that, that the simplicity of that is what um, can be overlooked a lot of the times. Like this isn't a get rich tomorrow type of venture, but if you are, if you can consistently take options um, and, 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 you know, put your money towards investing like long-term, it's going to really, really work out for you. Uh, and I think as well, some of my wins have been just, taking the initiative and the action to explore different avenues of investing um, and actually putting what is it skin in the game like putting money in these deals and seeing what the experience would be and then learning about that sector because all of this information that i've done just simply by deploying my own capital is now opportunities that i can educate others in and actually also have them profit as well which is at the end of the day it's investing like we're here to make money um so i think that those would be my my big wins and just kind of carrying on the legacy of you know being in a family that started me out in real estate investing and, and carrying that forward i think that to me means something yeah yeah for sure very cool what um what would be some books that you would recommend somebody to read as starting out in real estate oh my gosh this is a loaded question because there's so many good ones um i mean there's the real estate bible which is rich dad poor dad which isn't necessarily even a real estate bible it's more just like a, a shifting of perspective into the possibilities of 
um, you know, not trading your time for money. And that generally is always related back to investing in real estate. So I say Rich Dad, Poor Dad, definitely. Um, there's there's other books that I've read. I've read so many books. Um, Richest Man in Babylon comes to mind. Uh, that's once again, just more about like money management. Um, but if you're looking for real estate books to kind of learn more strategic ways of investing, there's so many great ones from Bigger Pockets. I feel like they're just like the top of their game. Um, there's ones about syndication, so hands-off real estate investor. There's ones about investing with no money down, which I know like a lot of people come to me and they're like, actually, I don't have money, but I want to invest in real estate. So finding um, books that align with your strategies, I'd say um, are critical to actually have you feel like, oh, I can do this even if I don't have like X, Y, Z. So those are top of mind. But like I said, I've I probably read hundreds. Like it's hard to it's hard to narrow it down. Well, it, it's it's and you want to keep leveling up and, and gaining knowledge and um, you know, books books contain knowledge and it's hard to make enough time to to really get into book over book. And I try to on the way to work, uh, the gym, just anywhere and everywhere, just gain knowledge from books. It's uh, one little piece of information can change the trajectory on a decision. I mean, it's uh, it's incredible. Um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and learn more about yourself, how can they reach out? Yeah, so LinkedIn, I'd say, is honestly the best way. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. Just Sarah Miskelly, you can just type my name in. As well, you can go to my website, highlycapital.com. Um, but LinkedIn, I would say, is the best way to you know communicate. Just add or follow me. <laughs> yep, and then we'll put your information in on this episode as well once we get it published. And uh, definitely appreciate your wisdom, your experience. Look forward to following you and um, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Bye.